Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. This episode will pick up exactly where the last episode last week left off. It's a review of the Iron Maiden album Senjutsu. Last time I spoke to Andrew DeBroy, who returns for this episode, part two of what is likely going to be three episodes to cover off the album Senjutsu. And we left off at the song The Writing on the Wall. This episode picks up there. Andrew had a few more things to say about that. And we also deal with some of the feedback, both positive and negative, that we got for last week's episode. Um, And we did quite enjoy addressing the feedback, and I did welcome it. So thanks to anybody who got in touch about part one of our review for Sinjutsu. If you would like to get in contact with me, it's Fergal. No, it's not. It's um, <laughs> it's Feckin' Metal Cast. Oh, Jesus, it's at Feckin' Metal Cast on Twitter. It's the Feckin' Checkin' Podcast Network page on Facebook, or it's uh, feckinmetal at gmail.com via email. Um, the podcast is in the process of moving. I mentioned that last time. Uh, it's a very laborious task. I've been doing it in bits and pieces, so I'm moving the episodes gradually. Um, Please look out for a small, short announcement episode early next week, most likely, which will inform you about the movement of Feckin' Metal from one feed to a new feed and how to go and find it and identify it from the episodes that are on the old feed, uh, which they will be for a while. Uh, while I sort this shit out, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mess at the moment, but it'll be fixed very soon. So... The Black Sabbath arc will continue as well once the Send You To review episodes are out of the way. Uh, I spoke to Andrew for about another two hours this time. It was great crack again, uh, a bit earlier in the day, a bit less alcohol consumed this time, um, or none on his part, a small bit on mine. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it again, and um, here we are. This is it. This is the chat I had with Andrew on um, the 11th of October. Hope you enjoy it. So, Andrew, you're back here now for part two of Senjutsu, and we are recording on a Monday afternoon. And uh, for me, anyway, it's morning for you. And you don't work Mondays. So tell me why you don't work Mondays. Well, it's not every Monday that I don't work. But in Canada, we have this thing called Thanksgiving. And our Thanksgiving is earlier than American Thanksgiving. Right. But you said you you said to me in, in message format, you didn't work Mondays. No, I uh, well, I don't work this Monday. Oh, maybe you said I don't work Monday. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ah, I right. I, I was I was thinking you're on some kind of four day week type of. Uh, oh, that would be that would be nice. Right, uh, but you're not. Maybe I'll okay. propose that. <laughs> well, then my joke of tell me why you don't work Mondays is is just silly. Did you know what I was referencing there? By the way, I do not. All oh, right. Okay. So it's a, a band called the Boomtown Rats. Uh, they're Irish. Okay. They have a song called "I Don't Like Mondays." Um. It was about a woman who committed a mass shooting and when she was questioned by the police about why she did it, she said, I don't like Mondays. Um, and the uh, Boomtown Rats wrote enough. a song about it. Anyway, other people will get that, presumably. Or maybe that's they won't. A, I mean, that's a good re- good enough reason, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we all want to go on a mass murder spree on Mondays um, most of the time. So, uh, all right, how was your Thanksgiving? Was it good? Yeah, yeah. Um, went... I went out dancing on Saturday night with friends, which is the first time that we were able to go out, I guess, in a, in a club setting. It was pretty fun. So sorry, you went uh, out dancing? Yes. So was yeah. dancing the main goal of the expedition here? Well, mostly the goal is just to have fun with friends. And yeah, I guess dancing is uh, one of the main attractions. You like dancing? Uh, yeah. I like, I'm not a great dancer, but I like 
moving about and flailing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds like. So what, what was the kind of music that was being played at this dancing event? Uh, so like techno and electronic kind of that, that kind of sound. Um, okay, okay. Not, not at all heavy metal related, uh, but I do enjoy the odd dance extravaganza. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all and, right. the, and the people being with the people is, is the best part. Actually, I wanted to ask you about something. I went to a party after this event. And when I left, I didn't say goodbye to anybody. And that's called an Irish goodbye. <laughs> now, do you know, do you know why, why is that called an Irish goodbye? Firstly, can I ask, were you listening to Maiden A to Z recently and you heard that term? Or is uh, this complete coincidence? I actually, I did hear that yesterday, yesterday because that was on the darkest hour. Yeah, so, yeah. I was just yeah. wondering it because I was only just listening to that. Uh, I, yeah. I believe it's called an Irish goodbye because it's very popular in Ireland. Uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's no further yeah. mystery to it than that. But okay. I've certainly done this in the past, especially, let's say, if I was out <laughs> dancing uh, or maybe yes. in, in a venue where dancing was occurring and I was standing <laughs> on the periphery uh, creeping. No, <laughs> um, I... Like you, you, you just reach a certain point where you're like, "Fuck this, I'm going home." That's that's kind of an Irish goodbye, and you're not going to yeah. go around to everybody and be like, "Okay, bye." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it exists in other countries, but it became known as an Irish goodbye. And I certainly used to do this in my youth, in my twenties, when I'd be in places that I didn't necessarily like, and I was like, after after a certain point, I was only chatting to Eric from Maiden A to Z about this today, and I was just saying, oh, yeah, I'd usually reach a certain point. I'd say, fuck this. I'd go to McDonald's, which was open 24 hours in Dublin, and then I'd just hop in a taxi and go home. Um, I've done that plenty of times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This in this case, it was, it was the sunrise was almost approaching. It was probably 4 mm. or 5 a.m., and people were still partying and whatever. Yeah. And, See, I, I, think, I think specifically in Ireland, people tend to not tell others when they're leaving an event is be- because you cannot get away. They won't let you. Yeah. So it'll be like, oh, I'll get you another drink, but just stop. I have a fucking whiskey here for you. I got you. A right. Pint. You right. know, that type of stuff. So that's probably why it's more popular because it's like people wouldn't let you. They nearly barricade the door, you know, to stop you from going home. Yeah. So, the yeah. taxi was waiting for me and oh, yeah. I couldn't find one of my shoes. It took mm-hmm. me five minutes to find my shoe and then <laughs> and then i'm like okay like, i don't have time to say goodbye it'll take it'll take yeah. way too long exactly yeah and it adds another 10 or 20 minutes onto your night even if people are letting you go it's like who needs any of that shit nobody at that point like nobody's remembering anything anyway so why bother yeah. putting yourself yeah. through that like the misery um <laughs> uh, not being able to find your shoe was always a sign of a good night anyway so it sounds like you had a good one <laughs> yes exactly and then Yesterday we did the family dinner thing, which was very nice. Even even on very little sleep, I still felt, you know, full of love and family. Family time is always the best. Good stuff. Very good. Um, all right. So on that heartwarming note, let's pick up yes. where we left off. Indeed. At the end of the last episode, where I did cut off a decent chunk of us talking about writing on the wall because I felt it descended into chaos. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bit too uh, belligerent. Uh, it just went into like I know there were rants and there were um, there were uh, tangents and all that, but like the like the last thirty minutes of that was just like tangent upon rant upon tangent. So I was just like, this is just not usable. Um, not like it wasn't bad stuff, but it was just. Yeah. It it wasn't like it, it just went so far off the beaten track that um, I felt ah, like let's just cut it off there. So 
we will address some of the feedback we got for the last episode. But before that, you wanted to still talk about writing on the wall a bit. So there were some things you didn't get to say or maybe some stuff that I cut off. I can't remember. But um, what, what else did you want to say about songwriting on the wall before we move into uh, feedback from last week and then move on with the album? OK, um, so I do have an interesting term that was brought to my attention. Uh, so there's so I started a new job recently, which I mentioned, I think, before. And there's a guy that also started recently. Um, his name is Hamza. Um, he is very much into music, but he's not, he didn't get into Maiden, never got into Maiden. So I've been slowly introducing him. Um, and I've been actually, I've been thinking about what, what, where should I start? Like, how do you introduce a new, uh, someone who doesn't know Maiden, but it loves music? Mm-hmm. Where do you start? I've just been starting with this album okay. just because like, I've been so like, I could go back to the classics, but you know, I, I introduced him to firstly to hell on earth, then lost in the lost world and then writing on the wall. Mm. Uh, and then, so for his feedback on writing on the wall, he said, it sounds like flamenco. Okay. Which That's is Italian. Spanish. Oh, Spanish or it's Italian? Spanish, apologies. Go on. Spanish or Italian? Uh, yeah, I, I believe it's Spanish because it's folkloric music traditions of southern Spain. Okay, okay. Like, yeah. okay, that's that's pretty cool term. I so mean, was he saying a lot of... flamenco guitar? Is that what he was saying? Yeah, he's a he's a guitarist. He owns um, he owns some pretty rare guitars. Actually, one of them is Gibson Bob Dylan SJ two hundred Players Edition is one okay. of the good guitars he owns apparently it's very rare and he's very proud of it so all right I thought well, i'd well, that out Hansa. Uh, yeah yeah so other than other than flamenco uh the other things i wanted to touch on were the solos i think the solos play a key a key role in this song i guess so the first one mm. is dave's solo at yep. about 334 Okay, hold on one second now, and I'll get this up. 3.34. Um... That's kind of a, like uh, I, that. Just sounds like classic Dave Murray, you know. Uh, it's a, it's kind of aggressive. It kind of leads into Adrian's epic solo. It's a really. I just uh, I like the. It's a cool melody. I don't know. I don't have anything like super deep to say about it. I just <laughs> think it's cool. I know. I, I like it. I, I the, the word that comes to mind is blistering. You see this in music journalism a lot. Journal, journalism, journalism a lot. Uh, okay. A, a blistering solo, and um, yeah, it, it, it is a cliche to say that, but that, that's what it sounds like. Um, and I don't know what blistering sounds like, but it sounds like that. Well, uh, it feels like it could give me a blister, I guess. Exactly. If you, uh, if you expose yourself to it too yeah. much, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I really like it. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then it moves on to this one. Yeah. 
Now, are we calling this a solo or just riffing? It's just riffing in between, yeah? Yeah, the solo starts in about 10 yeah. seconds. So that sounds like Yannick to me there. It, it, it's fantastic it's but like, like i think i said in the last episode i always find adrian soul is much more hummable and like it's, it's the least musiciany type of word to use but as a as a hum-able, as a fan yeah. who doesn't play an instrument to me if i can hum a guitar solo if i can go away humming it then it's a great job done by the guitarist because it's like a it's like a, an extra melody line that you're getting for free you know it's like an extra line yeah. of, of vocals or chorus and um, but it's on an instrument solely and you can walk away and you could just be humming the solo Exactly. Yeah. So right at the start of it, he just like has that little bend and the like. This kind of a slow hook that kind of just like grabs you. Like that can't do it with my mouth, but you know that little slow bend to start grabs <laughs> yeah. you and then brings you into this beautiful melodic sort of journey. And then like at the end, just brings you right back into the chorus so perfectly. Just yeah, love that. It's a nice transition back into the chorus at the end, though, right? Yeah. So, no, yeah, excellent, excellent soloing so far. I think on, on the three songs we've covered off. Um, yep. Right. Is is that everything you wanted to discuss about writing on the wall, or did you have anything? So else? there is one more solo actually um, during the last chorus. Uh, mm-hmm. Yannick sort of plays a solo behind the chorus, which kind of gives it a little something extra. The last chorus. You know, I'd nearly call it a collection of licks more so than a solo. Yeah, yeah, maybe not a solo, but yeah, because it's like not continuous. It's just every, after you know, every few bars, it just adds a couple licks. Yeah, yeah, but the, but it is worth pointing out. It's like maybe each section of it could almost be considered a miniature solo. Yeah, but it's not common you hear that actually. Like there's a small, unique, um, distinctive guitar bit behind each chorus line. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other examples of that. I think it happens again in the in the time machine. All um, right, okay. Maybe well, maybe we're uh, you know spoiler alert, but I'm pretty sure. May, may I could be wrong. There's another there's another song on this album that it happens, and it could be that one. Very good. Let's okay. See. Well, look, 
it, it shows that you notice things differently to how I do, definitely. Um, okay, so we'll move on from writing on the wall. So uh, we got three songs done in our first episode. We we planned to do more. We planned to do half of the album, but you know there were tangents. There was chat, um, and there was a, a good rapport. Was feedback I got from a few people that we had. That's good. That's um, good. So there you go. But uh, other feedback we got as well um, was um, to do firstly uh, with my comment about Steve Harris being politically incorrect by using the term madman. Uh, now, <laughs> <laughs> a few people contacted me about this and said that's that's a silly take uh, or to use words, maybe I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but like there's absolutely no way that's politically incorrect. It's a harmless are you, word. Are you retarded for thinking that's politically incorrect? <laughs> <laughs> I'm retarded. <laughs> My sister, she's retarded. No. Um, yeah, look, I, I'll accept that. I'll accept that that was a bad take. I can admit that. I was looking for things in the lyrics to point out that stood out to me. That word stood out to me. And that phrase came out of my mouth. And maybe that was wrong and a bit stupid. And I wasn't oh, on a whatever. witch hunt to find out things that Steve Harris were saying that were politically incorrect or anything like that. But I was just yeah, was looking for chat. things. Yeah, I was looking for things that I hadn't heard anyone else say and that I felt were unique and, and lyrics that stood out to me. And I have plenty of those. Uh, for this episode as well. So look, I accept the fact that that was a bad take. I'm willing to take that one on the chin. I almost considered editing it out when I was editing it because I was listening back on, <laughs> no. And then I was like, no, fuck it. You said it. Just leave it in and, and just see how what people say. So there you go. That, that's the nature of the podcast. And then we had a little discussion on what mad means. And then... <laughs> yeah. So the, be- the best take I got was from Jonathan from uh, talk- uh, Maiden A to Z where he said, so obviously the chorus line is, how do you read a madman's mind? And he wrote to me in a message um, on Messenger. He's like, how do you read a person with a mental health issue's mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has a really nice ring to it. And I said, yeah, it rolls off the tongue. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> so yeah, look, yeah, but fair point. And look, if you think things that I say are garbage or bullshit, tell me. I can, I can accept that. I can accept the fact that when I'm talking on a podcast, not everything I say is sensible and eloquent and correct. And that's fine. Don't well, like, I, I won't take any offense to that. You have a podcast, you're speaking for hours at a time. You're going to say stupid shit from time to time. <laughs> exactly. I will. And I have in the past. And, and I've listened back to some old episodes and gone, oh my God, will you ever shut the fuck up? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that's the nature of it. You, like most people's conversations aren't recorded. If you're doing a podcast, they are. And they're there forever. I mean, yeah. unless you try and delete them. But that, that even that in itself is, is harder than you imagine. Anyway, that was yeah. one thing. Um, so fair play to anyone who commented about that. And the next one was Mindless Simpletons. The comment that you... <laughs> coined the phrase that you coined <laughs> yeah uh, regarding country music and actually all the positive all the feedback about that was actually positive people thought it was yeah. hilarious um and i did when i was That's listening good. back editing i was i was as in ireland there's a phrase breaking your shit laughing so i was breaking my shit laughing listening to that uh, which means right. laughing hearted like heart heartily um at that and i had to play it back several times um and, and just a bit afterwards where we were like you're like, some people might take offense. And I was like, well, they probably will. <laughs> because you refer to them as mindless simpletons. Probably but, none of your listeners, I hope. Nah, maybe. probably not. But I, I noticed like uh, on the same day, Uncle Steve's uh, Maiden mm-hmm. Stories episode, you was launched and you had a similar conversation with Steve. I forgot albeit, about that too. Albeit maybe a more toned down version. Um, but you think you said, you said the word simple in there as well. So the, like you, you got a bone to pick with these country music fans. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're using any platform you have to pick that bone. Yeah, actually, so another coworker that I just met, I asked him what kind of music he's in, and he says, you know, not not too much. I love country music. Mm. <laughs> like, okay, hmm, tread carefully here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, there's some great gritty kind of country out there. Right, um, right. I don't hate all of it. Like old school country. That like it's all not. It's not all terrible and mindless and simple. Mm. <laughs> Just a lot of the mainstream stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And like I, like in Ireland, we don't get much of that. I know it's really popular in the US, and they have country stations on the radio and stuff like that. And it's really like it, it's it's popular in pockets around Ireland. And I mean, it's funnily enough, like if you live in Dublin in Ireland, and this is a bit of a stupid thing, but anywhere outside of Dublin is referred to as the country. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so country music is more popular in the country. Um, and I, I'm sense. I'm from Dublin, and I've lived in Dublin my whole life. But like, there are certainly like places around Ireland where it's popular and actually Garth Brooks like was going to do a whole series of concerts in Ireland a few years ago and there were hundreds of thousands of people bought tickets they ended up not happening so it, it is popular in Ireland but I'm not exposed to it at all um, so when I hear bits of American country like I said I killed my wife and I killed my kid and I hung myself um, pick up truck <laughs> and a beer oh yeah oh yeah I, I quite dislike that music as well I think it's it's low grade um, music yeah. But I do like a bit of Johnny Cash or weird stuff my mom used to listen to, like Merle Haggard and stuff like that. It's quite good. But um yeah, you know, it's um it, it but really just I was just laughing a lot at the comments because that phrase has taken on a life of its own. Um yeah, Andy, you know, people caught on that. Yeah. You know Andy Barron from Twitter. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. say Scottish Andy, but he's not from Scotland originally, he's from England, but uh He's messaged me now using that phrase quite a lot. He actually said today, his, his girlfriend, he's like, I just put on Days of Future Past and his girlfriend uh, didn't like it. He's like, she's she's a bloody mindless. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and other people have used it as well. Um, so yeah, it's taken on life of its own. I think if I do another run of, of T-shirts, I'm going to say, don't be a mindless simpleton. Listen to feckin' metal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great little uh, catchphrase. I'll give you a point two five percent of the take, so um, you, you get a royalty. Okay, that's a quarter of a percent. Point point two five. Okay, like, <laughs> okay. I was thinking twenty five percent. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Point. Wait a minute. Point two five. <laughs> Look, this. At this least is how one. Goes. Give me a, give me at least one. Okay, I'll give you one one percent. Um, okay. Anyway, yeah. So that was good. Um, people enjoyed that, and people enjoyed the episode as well. It met the pot. The feedback was mainly positive, and um, yeah, people seem to enjoy it. It's been it's been a very popular episode for me. So um, yeah, it was it was good. It hit all around, I reckon, and it was one of my longest ever episodes as well. And um, there was no way to really cut any more from it without losing the uh, rapport, if you will. Uh, that I had <laughs> my my own feedback of it is the first the first half an hour is like, Ugh, is that is that what my voice really sounds like? Mm. <laughs> And then, I don't know, you kind of get used to it. Yeah, I, re I remember you saying that to me there recently, and I was like, yeah, that's that's an audio recording of you. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yes, that is you, Andrew. So it is most precisely what your voice yeah. sounds like. Yeah, it, it can be hard. I mean, I've, I'm used to recording my voice for a long time. Even before I did this, I did rap music, and uh, I knew I know what I sound like, so it, it, I'm happy with that. I never actually now cringe at the sound of my own voice. It's more the things I say that I cringe at. But uh, I know other people, especially people who've never done a podcast, 
once they hear themselves, they can be horrified <laughs> about how they sound. But, uh, but yeah. the thing is, you must realize that everyone who knows and likes and loves you in your life has known you sounded like that your whole life, and they still like you. So, yeah, you know, that's kind of weird. Like, yeah, shockingly, they still <laughs> yeah, like you. Shockingly, I still have people in my life. Exactly. So, I mean, it can't be that bad. Um, yeah. uh, are you still writing rap music? <laughs> no, that was a long time ago. Last, The last song or anything like that I would have done was maybe about four years ago. Okay. Um, I think you should resume. Ah, yeah. And, you know. and, then, and then do an episode of just rapping. Well, there's a whole podcast in there on the feed that Fecking Metal is on uh, called Two-Faced Fake Snakes, 13 episodes, and mm. it's me and my friend talking about our rap music career, right. where to come is. So if you want to hear anything, go and listen to that. Uh, it's all still available. But um, yes, okay, let's move on from that. Okay, uh, have no so, more tangents. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I've, I've incorporated a lot of tangents into what I'm going to say now, but um, more relatable tangents, let's say. Uh, all right, so track number four on Senjutsu, and it is lost in a lost world. Um, any initial thoughts on this before we start delving into it on a deeper level? Oh, yes. Lots to say about this one. Okay. Um, this, I think, at the start, my first couple of listens through the album, I would have put this as my favorite, I think. But I don't know, like... And we had that whole discussion last time about why we rank things. And like, yeah, I cut I, all that out. Yeah, okay, that part was cut out. But you you made a good point. It's like why do you why do you put so much energy into trying to put one over the other? Like, oh, I enjoy this one better than this one. And then the next day, whatever you hear next, okay, oh no, this one's my favorite. Yeah. So a summary of that for the whole section I cut out was. You often hear people and see people on Twitter saying, this is my favorite today, but that could all change tomorrow. And then my, my logic was, why bother ranking things at all if that's your disclaimer all the time that it could yeah. change tomorrow? Then then the ranking is worthless and a waste of time. Exactly. Um, so this one, I I like the the slow kind of build, build up and the lyrics. The lyrics are just so de- deep. You can tell Steve, he's in his just in a introspective kind of dark, just beautifully haunting, haunting and beautiful kind of Hmm. lyrics. Um, I think, I think he's referencing the natives, like taking the land from the natives and kind of just reflecting on that and, and maybe, you know, stripping away their culture you know people worshiping the, the sun yeah, yeah wash away their sins for them and just like mm. these lyrics are just absolutely beautiful and so yeah. many ominous and catchy tunes in there just mm. yeah i thought that made me think of um an indigenous tribe being kind of converted into christianity or something like that yeah like you said yes, there exactly. and i love that line people worshiping the sun that like that gives me yeah. kind of a bit of a shiver anytime i hear it. it's it's yeah. prime bruce and it's a it's a prime lyric as well it's 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 really good yeah i love that before we even get to all that i, I think the intro is kind of a bit unique for iron maiden i'm just gonna yeah. play that here and yeah, I, I use that word yeah. unique a lot because when i speak about music i just use the same words again and again and again well like, unique okay. to maiden for sure yeah but but here it is anyway
Okay, so you can hear a very, very kind of, um, what would you call this, a stripped down acoustic intro, which I know Iron Maiden have had acoustic intros before, but they're more often riffs. I don't remember too many acoustic intros where there was singing that accompanied it. And um, Bruce's voice here to me sounds very much like he does on his solo albums. And uh, I quite like some of the lyrics here as well. So the line, what shows in the face is only a mirror. It, it it speaks to me and I can't explain why, because it's you're thinking of a face in the mirror, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying what shows in the face is only a mirror. So is what your face looks like a mirror of what you've experienced? I don't I can't quite work it out, but it, it right. seems like a powerful line to me. It is. Yeah, it's just uh, like very. Yeah, it makes you think it really makes mm. you think like what shows in the face is only a mirror, but usually it's the other way around. What shows in the mirror is only a face. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's, and then we all have better places to go. Like, you know, there's, there's hope. Hmm. My take on that line though, is that your, your face is a reflection of your life experience. <clears throat> so for example, if you look aged, if you have gray hair, if you look weather beaten, yeah, maybe that's a yeah. mirror of your experiences, but that's, that's just my take on it. But I, right, I, that, Or if you've been abused or uh, have abused or, ha- you know, have, yeah. have had a, a life that's, you know, uh, that makes your face look the way it does. Exactly. Yeah. And your eyes and your expression and everything. Yeah. So I, yeah. I thought that was a fantastic yeah. line. Um, and then we got to this part, which has been spoken about quite a lot. And it's the ah, ah, ahs. Um, and people have compared this to the Moody Blues. And I think oh. this song um, might share a, a title with a Moody Blues song, or maybe I'm thinking of a different one. But um I'm going to play the ahs now, anyway. Okay. Okay, so we got a taste of it there. What I've written here is then... Nice and comfortable. I can't say I've ever felt as comfortable listening to Iron Maiden in my life uh, and relaxed. Yeah, it's soothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's maybe, I mean, the closest I could think would might be a strange world or something, but um, a ship of white light in the sky, something like that. But um, God, it's 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 actually so different for Iron Maiden to have something like that on, on an album, on a song. I don't... It doesn't feel out of place though either. Like it, it doesn't seem like it shouldn't be there. It seems right. like it definitely should. Yeah. And I think in a live setting, that would be so cool to have the whole crowd going, ah. Oh, fuck. It's made for that. That yeah. would be like, oh, man, my hair would stand on the back of my neck. It shivers from that. That'd be so cool. Everyone yeah. with lighters or cell phones in their hand. Uh, yeah. we, we skipped over uh, a, a little bit of the lyrics that, um, you know, we don't know just what we have. We, we have till we've lost it until that time comes and know that it's gone. So hard to say things that we should have uttered long ago, tear myself away from thoughts in my head. That part, uh, again, it's just like, it's just so introspective. 
you know, like we don't know what we have just until we've lost it, you know, taking things for granted, um, maybe feeling a little bit of regret, you know, so so hard to say things we should have uttered long ago. Like, I know I can, I can, I can relate to that. You know, some things that, you know, you don't, you don't say what you feel and then later on it kind of just festers inside of you. And then, and then you just, it's just causes, you know, something that you should have, could have just said it at the time Mm. or, you know, expressed something to somebody like say, say, I love you to whoever, or, you know, something like that. It's it's just makes you kind of think Mm. and, and, and reflect on it. I don't know. I I love those lines. I can relate to that as well. And I, I think I know what you mean in that it might cause pain or not necessarily pain, but it might be difficult or awkward to say at the time, but the longer you leave it, the worse that pain or difficult get difficulty and awkwardness becomes. And it's actually, um, you're doing a disservice to yourself by not saying it at the time because you think, Oh, I'll save myself that pain, difficulty or awkwardness. But then later right. on, you're like, Oh, I feel worse now. Yeah. If you don't express it, it's just gonna, yeah, it's just gonna fester inside of you and, if you're not saying it, you're not being honest with yourself and with others. And yeah, I, I guess I just feel very strong emotion for the, throughout this whole song. All the lyrics are just very deep and kind of sad and introspective. Um, there's a, there's a little um, echo as well on some of the yeah, like the a, like gone, a, like a reverb, but it's quite delayed. Until that time comes and know that it's gone. Gone, oh, oh. gone, gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's quite a strong delay in it, but yeah, it really yeah. works. It, it, it emphasizes that. that word, which is probably the most important word on in, yeah, in the sentence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, very good. Nice take there. I, I quite, I strongly agree with that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so you mentioned, um, actually, I just wanted to mention the drums and the riff um, at about two minutes and three seconds here before we get to the worship in the sun bit. Uh, yeah. Again, like I've said this before, but this just reminds me of the X Factor so much. And I, I keep finding that uh, this particularly kind of reminds me of Lord of the Flies. See what you think. Yeah, I can hear a little bit of Lord of the Flies there. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of kind of similar um, chords, I guess, chord progression. Yeah, and, and just even the tone of the guitar, like the the, the whatever sound effect they're using on the guitar, um, yeah, it just sounds Jonathan, so similar to it. Jonathan could probably tell you what exactly, what key it is and what, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't identify that just by hearing That's it. the thing. Actually, one of the pieces of feedback he gave me as well was uh, that he enjoyed the episode, but there were parts where he felt he wanted to chime in with his opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was one where um, the Yannickism. Yeah. There's, there's some more Yannickisms in this song. And he's like, yeah. it's called, uh, what have you, he, man, he told me what it was called. Um, and I already forget what he said. That's fine though. Like, but then he said afterwards, he's like, "It's just because I'm so passionate about Iron Maiden," and that's fair enough. And I actually yeah. replied saying, "Look, you can't please everybody all the time, and you can't like your opinions are gonna." I know when I'm listening to a podcast, but, but like, it doesn't matter what podcast it is. Four or five times, I'm just looking at it, going, "No," <laughs> but then like, yeah, yeah. Overall, I can still enjoy it. Like, I don't have to agree with everything everybody says. Even talking Maiden, like to me, which I put on a pedestal, there were certain points listening to that where I was like, "No, no, definitely don't agree with that." But right, like Josh, same- you're wrong, man. 
even Nesbitt sometimes was <laughs> yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I don't mean he was well, wrong, but I, even sometimes I disagreed with what he said. Uh, but yeah, like opinion, everyone has an opinion, and exactly. yeah, sometimes your opinion differs from it, and it's not necessarily that you're wrong or they're wrong. You know, yeah. uh, the word is unison, by the way. Uh, that's oh, yeah, that's yeah. which I guess makes sense. Uh, to use an old phrase, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, unfortunately, so them stink. <laughs> My <laughs> dad I like used to always say, "You shouldn't call people assholes because assholes are useful." <laughs> <laughs> I like to change that a bit, and I say. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Unfortunately, some of them are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> not to say that Nesbitt and yeah. Josh are assholes. They're definitely, no, definitely not obviously assholes. Obviously not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> sorry, I just, I, I like to do that. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. A good one. Tangent there. Uh, yeah, so Lord of the Flies coming in there. And then this, I have to play Worship in the Sun because to me, this is one of the most powerful parts of the song uh, when it comes in. Bruce, Bruce's vocals in particular. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might be right about Native America there. Like there's the referencing yep. the eagle and stuff like that. I mean, it seems to be, it's almost like a, a more, um, meter to take on run to the hills. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more so on the, not, not, yeah. Less so on the war part. Exactly. Of it, more so on the, the culture and their rituals. Yeah. And like a beautiful, culture i think that they have like worshiping the sun you know it's 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 very powerful yeah like he references later on i've seen those here there's B- buffalo are mentioned and i was like where is this native america and then um feel dancing the spi- for rain yeah yeah i feel yeah. the spirits holy ground and sacred earth um a lot of this stuff seems to reference the native americans and what happened or maybe you know as you said to describe the culture um around the time of, you know, the white man coming across the sea, mm-hmm. um, right before the pain and misery. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, I, what about what about the solos on this? Uh, I think around 6.13, one of them kicks in, and I, I just said it's a really unique tone in this one for me. Uh, there's that word skipping? unique again. Are we going to skip or are we going to come back to the... Do you have points to make before that? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Um, I'll, I'll well, scratch so, that bit. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> tell, tell me some more of your thoughts on, on this song. Well, I mean, uh, the pre-chorus, when they start, um, they do the, the anarchism. I'm pretty sure it's called the anarchism, not not uh, <laughs> not unison. It's, it's not, not, not whatever that anarchism. hack Jonathan said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that part just um, before the chorus is... And then they repeat it again at the end. Do you have a timestamp? Um, probably around three something. <laughs> Let me look. Yeah, close to this.
Okay, so you're saying playing the riff under the chorus is called Oh unison. man, that that just made my nipples hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, you, you identify now me, as sexually attracted to it, Iron Maiden. It definitely gives me goosebumps, man. That's so such such a beautiful melody, and the, yeah, I the really like it as well. So powerful. People have said um, that this is one of the things that bothers them about this album, but. For me, that 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 adds a layer, and I really like it. And um, just listening to that clip now, do you know what I found actually with this entire album is listening to the songs and dissecting them has made me enjoy them more. Me too. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I thought it would make me enjoy them even less, but it hasn't. And as we move on with this episode, and we talk about other songs. I, I'll I'll delve into that a bit more. But when you pick them apart and you find all of the intricacies and the various different pieces musically and lyrically, um you really realize how much really realize God, that's terrible. You realize how much is there, how much depth there are, there is to all of these songs. And uh, yeah, it's made me appreciate them a lot more. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, some of these lyrics, like they're just so like, I don't know where Steve comes up with stuff like this. It's just like, it's so deep uh, thinking now of our forefathers that are lying dead upon holy ground and sacred earth. Now revisit yeah. stolen youth. I mean, I still have small criticisms about him sticking the word now in left, right, center, uh, or it's just not necessary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Within two sentences, there he's using yeah, right now. Yeah, it's you're just right. Completely you're right. redundant. But, but that is nitpicking, uh, and it's a very, very small little thing. But I do, I do like the lyrics on this. Yeah. yeah. I love that as they ride into the sun. And then, and then it goes into the chorus. What do you think about the chorus? <laughs> Actually, I think the chorus is possibly the weakest part of this song. Uh, personally, I, I, it's not bad, but it, it's. I don't like. I don't like the title of the song "Lost in a Lost World." I think it's maybe a bit lazy or something, and um, it doesn't really speak to me. And when Bruce sings that, it emphasizes the fact that I don't like the title of the song that much. And I think mm-hmm. they could have put in different lyrics that would have filled those syllables. And they could have been better and more poetic or more meaningful. Oh. Um, so I like the yeah. melody of the chorus, but I don't like hearing Bruce sing "Lost in a Lost World." I, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I like the. It kind of makes you headbang a little bit, like "Lost in a Lost World." Your head bangs, but it's only like a couple of times. It's it's a little bit repetitive, and yeah, I guess maybe a bit lazy compared to the rest of the the song. That's just so. Like I think it's so I, it's written so beautifully and then the rest and then this chorus is kind of leaves a little bit to de- to be desired. That's it. To me, the song deserved a better chorus than this, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, that's like it's again, it's kind of trying to come up with criticisms for stuff that you actually really like. And I do really like this song. It, it is look catchy. At, the chorus. Yeah, it, it's catchy, it, it but it's just fun like in the it's live just, setting. I, th- I think, do you, know, do you know, what the problem is, is that like, I think. Steve is a better writer sometimes than he allows himself to be. And he puts in a chorus that he knows people will sing along with in a live setting, but at the same time, it could be better. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think it goes back to the thing where I've certainly heard him say that a lot, mo- most of Iron Maiden's fans and their Spotify statistics back this up. If you actually have a look at them, uh, most of Iron Maiden's fans don't have English as a first language. So I think sometimes he probably doesn't care a lot, especially when it comes to choruses. He just wants something catchy that people can sing along with, bang their head to, as you said. Lost yep. in a lost world, buried on sacred ground. Lost in a lost world, lying in sacred ground. I mean, 
you know, <laughs> it, it could be better. It reminds me of uh, Night Demon. Oh, that's hallowed ground. But I think similar concept. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, look, I mean, overall, I think this is really good, though. Uh, we move on. Um, is there anything you want to discuss before we get to the solos? I have a note here. Breakdown after the chorus is catchy. Love how it goes from upbeat kind of sound to a more ominous key and then kicks into the, the two solos. So maybe right before the solo. Solos at 614. So maybe around like 545, I would, I would think. Yeah, this is this is great stuff. Though. It's really good to turn. So, who do you think this is? Dave. Okay. Adrian. I was going to say, this sounds like Adrian to me. It's more precise. As Jonathan might say, he, um, he writes it like it's a piece of music in itself. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good. Like, I mean, I, I like both of those solos. I prefer the second yeah. one, which we're, we're guessing is Adrian, or stating is Adrian, stating as fact. No. Right. Uh, and again, um, I'm not, uh, I don't profess to be an expert on that, but I got those from a, a Reddit page that. <laughs> I, no, like <laughs> personally, for, to my ears, right. the second one definitely sounds like Adrian. I mean, it, it, from what yeah. I know. What, yeah, once you listen, once you kind of listen to their different styles and try to pay attention more to who's mm. like, uh, Adrian definitely has that more, like, uh, yeah, like Jonathan says, like a piece of music within the music. Yeah, uh, Dave is kind of a, maybe a bit more. What what's the word? Um, eccentric or wi- wild? Me, they just seem like wild and flowing. Yeah, yeah, and then Yannick is even more so wild, but also precise. Like I'd say La- Yannick is closer to Adrian's style than he is to Dave's style, but he incorporates aspects of Dave's. Yeah, it's pretty cool that they have three different you know, styles that they can throw mm. in at any any point. I think there's one song actually that uh, really accentuates the styles of all of them and it's No More Lies. I know that's going back to Dance of Death, but I think there's one passage where there's three solos in a row and it's like Dave, Adrian, Yannick, or I don't, I don't know what order it is, but it's like, ah, yeah, there's the three lads playing yeah. the solos. <laughs> cool, yeah, I saw that live. That's a great live song. Me too, actually, yeah. 2010, that was a great, great show. Yeah, I, I was listening to you on Steve's and you were talking about the 2010 show, which I also saw as well in Dublin, which was unbelievable. And the set list, my God. Uh, yeah, that set list, oh, man. Post-reunion songs. I don't think we'll ever get as many post-reunion songs ever again, unless yeah. they play Senjutsu in full, which doesn't count because it's one album. But the, the variety, the selection, and the, the percentage of fucking post-2000 songs on that set list was just 
it'll, it'll never happen again. I feel so lucky to have been to that show, actually. Yeah, that was almost like a greatest hits of the 2000s era. Do you know, do you know what it was Except almost like? Final Frontier, because Final Frontier wasn't even released yet, even though they yeah. called it the Final Frontier Tour. Do you know what it was also <laughs> almost like to me? It was almost like a latter days tour, but they didn't have the balls to call it that because they'd done the early days. Like, and yeah. then they'd done uh, somewhere back in time. This was almost like the latter days, but they decided maybe last minute not to call it that. And they said, oh, fuck it. Let's just call it Final Frontier. We'll throw in El Dorado. And we can get away with it that way. But I, to me, in my mind, that was like the latter days tour, but they didn't. I, fe- I reckon at some point they decided not to call it that and they branded it as Final Frontier Leg 1 because for all intents and purposes, that's exactly what it was. It was a latter days tour. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, yeah, that set list was just so cool. Uh, Dream Theater opened for them that year too, which I thought was... Normally, the opening bands are, you know, like you don't even bother yeah. paying any attention to, but Dream right. Theater was a cool opener. I think in Ireland it was supposed to be heaven and hell, but yeah, Ronnie James Dio had died recently. But um, ah. then I think it was Tin Lizzy actually as well, as far as I remember. But I didn't even bother watching that because oh, it was like cool. Tin Lizzy with minus seven original members, you know. So right, right. <laughs> and, uh, I think um, well, obviously, like original probably isn't the most important thing there. But I think uh, even um, what's his face Scott Scott Gorham was the only real authentic member at that time. So I didn't bother watching them anyway. Yeah, um, fair enough. But yeah, Dan to Death. Uh, oh, sorry, no more, no more Lies, fantastic live song. Irrelevant to this topic, but there was somehow a link there. I forget. Oh, the different solo was, styles, yeah. Yeah, solo styles for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so there we go. Yeah, okay. I, I reckon that's going to do it for Lost in a Lost World, yeah. Well, what about the outro? Do you want to talk about the outro? That outro, man. I, I found myself even, um, if I only have a, a quick like minute or so. Go back a bit. So good. Will we ever heal our old wounds like forever darkness war? Fighting for their lives again. So come on. Again. This is where their destiny lies. Just to let us breathe again. Again. Again, he says there. Um, yeah, see, he sometimes sometimes pronounces it differently. He changed within the same song there. He changed. Yeah, he went again to again. He it's flip flopped. Like, pick, pick one, Shit. Bruce. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, uh, <laughs> with the ashes of our enemies to live among our ghosts. I really like that one actually. Um, yeah, oh cool. man! Oh, that whole that whole outro is just I've, I have it memorized now. It's just I just love it so much. Just the the lyricism there is just uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I have um, a little piece of feedback from Hamza, uh, who I asked to 
give uh, give give his take on it. Yeah, uh, I think we covered most of this, and I appreciated this from somebody who is not a Maiden fan, and probably the the third ever Maiden song that he's ever heard. So he says, as an as an individual who knows Jack about the individual writing or the band. I'd say it felt to me like an individual whose sympathy for the genocide of the natives spilled over and caused a deep introspection. But more so than that, it was the extermination of an entire culture that troubles the writer. I think that's really well said. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't know the band and uh, it's just. Yeah, well said. Is it, sorry, is it Hamza or Hamza? Hamza. 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 Like yeah. M for M&Ms. Yes. Hamza. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good work, Hamza. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll get him on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Uh, all right. Okay. So, Lost in the Lost World. Yeah. yeah. Good. Love it. Very good song. Love um. Song. So we're moving on now to Days of Future Past. Uh, so I'm just going to play the opening part here, which played accidentally there a second ago, but I'm going to play it here again. Yeah. Gonna let it play into that heavy riff, actually. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. For me, anyway, it's a little jinga jinga ding 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 opening, and then that riff comes in out of nowhere, and you're not expecting it, and it's really heavy, and it's like um, almost. It's, it's as shocking as like the opening riff from the wicker man in its kind of precise heaviness and i yeah, absolutely love it yeah. i was trying to figure out what song it reminds me of but yeah maybe it's wicker man or maybe it's not even a maiden song it's just some something it just makes me think of some other song with that kind of riff but it's still unique in its own way it's, uh, me it reminds that. me of um more so this is very specific um more so it reminds me of Adrian Smith's live sound in Rock and Rio and watching the Rock and Rio DVD before I'd ever heard the album, watching the Rock and Rio DVD for the first time. And the opening scene after that piece of classical music plays is Adrian Smith with a spotlight on him coming onto the stage and going, but it sounds a little different to how it does on the album. And that's what this reminds me of. Okay. You can tell it's Adrian, like it's an obviously Adrian riff and an Adrian song. Mm. Well, it's Smith Dickinson, but I think mostly the the riffage is off, ob- obviously written by Adrian. Yeah, I, I like I've written here heavier riff, catchy as fuck. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of those catchy heavy riffs, like the Wicker Man or like Two Minutes of Midnight, where it's not like even a melody, but it's the rhythm that you're catching in your head, and it's like dun 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 dun, and it's not like. I don't know. It's not like the intro to Wasted Years where you're picking out notes and, and, and tunes and melodies. Right, and it's, right, it's more yeah. of a, of a, of a um, what do they call it? Like a groove, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have some notes on this and um, it's more to do with the theme of the song rather right. than anything else. So um, a war in heaven in God's rage. He put me in this burning. Remember that word cage. Yeah. Holy fury locks me in imprisoned again remember that by my deadly sin every hour the shadow king wonders what his clock will bring i've learned and loved and that's for sure 
my fatal quest forevermore. The days of future past to wander on the shore, a king without a queen to die forevermore. So I just did a bit of Googling on this, um, on these lyrics. And um, firstly, I mean, Days of Future Past was the name of an X-Men film. And um, I did a, a search on the term Shadow King. And a Shadow King is actually a character from Marvel Comics and it was in the X-Men. Um, he wasn't in Days of Future Past, but he was a character, recurring character in the X-Men storyline and in Marvel Comics. Then I was thinking to myself, who, who in Iron Maiden is a comic book fan? And to the best of my recollection, I can't remember anybody ever saying they like comics. Can you? No. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I also did a Google search on this song and came up with, it was a reimagining of the novel Constantine and the movie version with Keanu Reeves. Yes, um, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying that. Um, and I haven't yeah. seen Constantine, nor have I read it. Um, well, I haven't seen the movie either, but I think it made me kind of, for this song, and I think you mentioned before, as you're doing more of a deep dive into it, it, it makes you appreciate it and like it more. This song was probably my least favorite and still might, it's still, for me, it's still kind of maybe a weaker point on the album, but I still, I love this song. It's, it's like Iron Maiden. If anything you say is a weak album or a weak song, it's still a great song. Okay. Uh, my take on the theme, I guess it's more, I guess, um, you know, war in heaven and God's rage is kind of God being spiteful and um, the shadow King, I think makes me think of like Satan, mm. I guess. Um mm wandering on the shore with the shores of of um of hell i guess is kind of yeah it's really really um really cool theme i think yeah okay i have a theory on this what it might be about now it's nothing to do with um constantine but have you ever heard of the character spawn a comic book character yes okay so um i think there might have been a film a while back yeah but it's um it's a published by an American company called Image Comics, which is not, neither Marvel nor DC, but it's a separate kind of company. Um, and there was a band, I Start, who did an album uh, back in 1996 called Dark Saga, which was a um, concept album about Spawn character. And that's why this is fresh in my mind, or not necessarily fresh in my mind, it's why it's in my mind at all, because I don't read comics and I don't really know much about them other than the odd film I would see. But um to me, the lyrics of this sounded quite similar to the story of the character in Spawn. And seeing as we're mentioning things like Shadow Kings and Days of Future Past, I'm thinking maybe somebody in Iron Maiden went and read a shitload of comics um, and wrote a song about it. It wouldn't be the first time they've done something like that. Yeah, possibly. Um, so I'm just going to read the backstory of Spawn here. Stay with me. Um, okay. So Spawn is basically a cop who's in from Detroit, Michigan, right? There's a lot more to it than that. But like, let's just say that that's what he is. So sorry, Spawn is Albert Francis Simmons, who was born in Detroit, Michigan. During a mission in Botswana, director Wynn goes, grows tired of Simmons's increasing morality and secretly hires Simmons's friend uh, and partner Bruce Stinson to kill him. Simmons is burned to death and sent to hell. So we have, um, he put me in a burning cage. Uh, okay, this is a lyric in that song. Making a deal with the devil. Malibalgia, I'm going to pronounce that wrong the entire time, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. Simmons agrees to become a hell spawn and serve Malibalgia if he's allowed to see his wife, Wanda, one last time. So you're looking at the lyrics here. To wander on the shore, a king without a queen, to die forevermore. So oh, he, oh. He, 
He's without his wife um, and he's looking for her. So he wants, so he agrees to be a hellspawn. So he basically agrees to go back to earth to be a hellspawn if he can see his wife one more time. So he makes a deal with the devil. Uh, oh. Malabolgia agrees and returns Simmons to the living realm, but without most of his memories. A severely burned body and a demonic guardian named the Violator. So he um, put me in a burning cage, blah, blah, blah. The days of future past to wander on the shore, a king without a queen to die forevermore, to wander in the wasteland, immortal till the end, waiting for the judgment, but the judgment never ends. So this guy is basically sent back to earth, doesn't have any memories, looking for his wife, a king without a queen, uh, wander evermore, uh, and he's burnt. Uh, he put me in a burning cage. Um, I, I just started to see similarities between the, uh, the character and the lyrics of this song. Oh, yeah. Eventually, eventually, basically, he gets rejected from both heaven and hell. So he tries to go back to he tries to get into heaven. and He's rejected. He tries to go into hell. He's rejected. So he basically has to wander on earth forever. Um, I walk the earth now doomed again. Yeah, exactly. And um, it reminded me of a song from that I started album called The Question of Heaven. And towards the end of it, it says, uh, I did what I thought was right. All for the love of my life. I know it's sad, but true. Something is very wrong. Condemned to suffer so long for a love so true. The question that lies within, it's so hard to understand. It still tears at me. And in my dying breath, my heart holds no regrets. I wouldn't change a thing. My spirit begins to rise to the heavenly skies just to be shunned away by you. Now all I want is to die. No streets of gold in the sky. And I wash my hands of you. And to me, there was a quite a strong comparison between not just both songs, but both sets of lyrics and the spawn character and i'm going completely out on a limb here because i googled <laughs> this and absolutely no one else had referenced this whatsoever on the internet but that's my take on it that is a really good take though i feel like there's there's a lot of parallels there um i don't really have that i don't have my own original theory i just i've i've read uh what bruce has said and he's basically saying there's this assumption that god is always perceived as the good guy but in this scenario, you can kind of see that God, he's kind of a manipulative narcissist. It's like, like a psychopath. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to do all this horrible stuff, but you have to love me anyway. And then, so it's kind of like, I don't know, how, how does that, how does that work? How do you, how do you uh, reflect on that? Um, once crucified, once crucified, you forgave it all but my own life condemned to fall. Where's the glory in your name? My twisted soul still burns in flame. I, I just love it. Love this song now. I, after, after not really thinking of it as that strong, um, it kind of reminds me also a little bit of maybe some Bruce solo material. I don't, I don't, I don't know what exactly, maybe something from chemical wedding or tyranny of, of souls like that, that, um, uh, that chorus, especially, yeah, maybe a little Mother of Mercy, or I think a Machine Man, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of like he goes up and then down and then yeah, up yeah. and then Machine down. Machine Man, Iron yeah. bites the dust. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's the one that uh, that I'm thinking of. Because like you know, days of future path to wander on the shore, yeah, and then yeah, he does yeah. it again. Goes up from the top. It goes yeah. high and then low, and then high and then low, and then high and then low. Yeah, it's similar to that. Okay. Anyway, like, I mean, to me, in, initially, this was just kind of a fast paced rocker, uh, the kind of song that they've done at least one of and maybe two of on most albums since they reunited with Bruce Dickinson in 2000. And, and in fairness, did maybe one or two of on, on the Blaze albums as well. Um, but when I delved into it and I started examining the lyrics and listening to the music a lot more, I, I enjoyed it a lot more. And like 
uh, harebrained theories aside about whether or not this is about the character Spawn, which it most likely <laughs> isn't. I just found strong parallels between the two stories, which intrigued me. And yeah. Again, That's... I'm always looking for uh, original takes on, on stuff. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I welcome the backlash about that. But um, I, uh, I just really enjoyed it a lot more because do you know what I think it is? I think I'm listening more closely to it. And when you miss, mm. listen more closely to a song, you really appreciate it for what it is. For sure. I, I definitely like, I, I can resonate with that. I didn't quite enjoy the song as much as I do now because I did all this deep dive and you kind of know the, the, what, what the theme is of the song. And yeah. Um, um, yeah. So after lift, after, after listening to this with lyrics in front of me and deciphering the whole meaning, I love the song way more. Um, hmm favorite lyrics mostly just from the chorus like the days of future past to wander on the shore king without a queen to die forevermore it's just so poignant sounds good there's one there's only one solo uh, it's about 20 seconds long um and it's adrian around 210 uh, it's just one little solo i think it sounds really cool Yeah, then this ominous little build-up. Yeah, I mean, like, initially, um, when I was listening to this, I kind of didn't quite notice how how good the guitar solos and stuff like that were, but like upon listening to it more intently, they they stand up against nearly everything else on the album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Adrian, his solos are always so good. Yeah, and then like as as a final take on the lyrics, initially when I was listening to it, I thought it might be about Jesus Christ or maybe Adam, even like from Adam and Eve. Um, but it was because like that there were comic book references, not only in the title of the song, but also in the Shadow King and stuff like that, that I started going off on my own wild path there. Um, and <laughs> I think it's almost too obvious if it's about Jesus or about God or about Adam or Adam and Eve or that type of thing. Um, so I, I, I think maybe there's some other meaning to it. I it does mention crucified. Once yeah, but like those the... those symbols are too easy for them to mean exactly what they are. If yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like you know, if, if you're just writing a song about Jesus and you're using the word crucified, that that's not Bruce Dickinson's style. I don't think. It, like, it's more like actually, it's about this. But I use that as a to frame it, uh, like a parallel. Or a yeah. Well, or I mean, that's what yeah. I think anyway. From from years of listening to his stuff and and reading his comments and interviews and actually realizing then what he was actually talking about. Usually years later, um, when he's talking about that, you're like, oh geez, I had no idea it was about that. Um, oh Jesus. Oh geez. <laughs> hey, very good. <laughs> Now, maybe um, um, just uh, before we get to the next song, a quick piece of Iron Maiden related news. Did you see that story about this high school principal somewhere in the States that um, there's a petition that was started by some of the parents as okay, so concerned parents with impressionable children. Sorry, this is in Ontario, Canada. Yeah. In St. Catharines, Ontario, 
We are deeply disturbed that the principal assigned to the school blatantly showed satanic symbols and her allegiance to satanic practices on her public social media platforms that all of the students can see. Our school is based on inclusion and openly displaying satanic symbols on a public social media platform goes directly against our values and is not inclusive. As parents, we are demanding that she transfer to another school. Yes, I did see this. Yeah. Oh, um, oh my God. Uh, like, I mean, I thought all that stuff was gone in the 80s, but apparently not. Um, I mean, I will say one thing, like I've said this before, Iron Maiden do have satanic lyrics. Uh, I mean, the prime example is 666, the number yeah. of the beast, 666, the one for, the you, one and for you and me. And yeah. like, I've heard Steve Harris try to defend that song and say it's not satanic and all that type of stuff. And I've said it myself in the past. I mean, it sounds pretty satanic, but to me, the word satanic is kind of meaningless because I don't believe in Satan uh, or God. And yeah, right. like, I, I think, I mean, like, I don't know, a lot of people nowadays are, are of that mindset. And in the 80s, people had a much stronger belief in religion, God, Satan, and all that type of stuff. And it's right. 40 years later, and we're still yeah. hearing this. And yeah. I, I'm kind of shocked because to me, like, it's, are you also going to, let's say she posted uh, a, a photograph of her with the entire um, bibliography of Stephen King books on her Instagram. Oh, yeah, exactly. Are you also going to ask for her to quit her job then? because she likes Stephen King, who some of whose books are, are satanic and deal with demons and all sorts of things like that. It's, it's just stupid. Like I think I, um, uh, Angus Young at one point from ACDC was interviewed and um, he said, right, so these kids are killing themselves because they listen to hard rock or heavy metal. Did you check their stomach for a McDonald's? And I always thought this was a great quote, as in like, how do you know it's that that killed them and not the fucking McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I just think that's, it's just so, we're so, we should be so past this, this like, uh, okay, perfect time to use the phrase mindless simpletons. That's what these people are. Yeah. And and frankly, I was shocked to find out that it was in Canada and not. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, yeah on, I thought it was in the States as, and then I just reread it and saw that it's actually pretty close to me in Ontario. Yeah. Somebody on Twitter actually, oh fuck, I can't remember who he's part of the Queen podcast. Um the lap of the pods and uh he posted like i thought this was going to be in bible belt you know america but it's actually in canada and i, I felt the same thing as like fucking hell <laughs> yeah fucking hell exactly <laughs> but then like you look at this album alone and there, there are plenty of references to hell as well that that is iron maiden that's who they are like there's the song hell, hell on, on earth, earth. Yeah. The, the, the song we're about to get to the time machine references imps and hell and all sorts of things uh, devilish children that type of stuff like it's but that is Iron Maiden, that they've always done that. They they are that. That's who they are. They're like a mixture of like horror and um, history and uh, plenty of religious references in there. And I don't know if there's any evidence ever in the history of time that can categorically prove that listening to music like that actually harms anybody in any way. And if there were evidence, I think we would be seeing a much different musical climate than we are now where people that basically have freedom of speech, freedom of expression and can release whatever the hell they want. And we've seen so many subgenres like black metal and death metal spawn off from, um, from heavy metal and people can live in harmony with one another listening to this music. Uh, what if she's I, a cannibal corpse fan? Like, <laughs> But I, 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 I'd still find it shocking how anyone can 
like what if she posted a picture of herself watching the exorcist you know it, like the, the, the comparison yeah. for some reason the name iron maiden still has a lot of negative connotations attached to it that other forms of entertainment seem to get away with yeah yeah it's just ignorance and yeah i think that's mostly it it's ignorance and religious fanaticism like should all the tv be banned should all the books be banned are we burning books again are we yeah. are we are we not eating mcdonald's like what the fuck is what 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 yeah. is what is anyone's it's, problem in, in 2021 yeah. what is your problem with heavy metal and like just let it go let it go it does not make people kill themselves that's been proven in court never has the decision ever gone the other way where someone has been sued and lost because of the lyrics and should that not set a precedent, a legal precedent, a moral precedent, and yeah. a societal precedent to yeah. determine once and for all? Back in 1990, Judas Priest were on the stand for alleged backwards messages in their lyrics, and they won the case. <laughs> and like, that's just, I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> to use a deliberate, uh, deliberate pun, change the record. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't um, Led Zeppelin on in Stairway to Heaven? There was some backwards messaging in there too, also about loving Satan and oh, allegedly, yes, yeah. the but sweet I, Satan. <laughs> Uncle Steve's posted something um, recently on his Twitter feed, which was uh, a press release or like a promo piece in a magazine for the Judas Priest album Painkiller, and they in the actual advertisement or advertorial, whatever it was said sounds as good backwards as it does forwards oh yeah <laughs> deliberately tongue-in-cheek for the court case they've just been involved in i think that's fucking brilliant and that's yeah, why you should stick funny. it to these people yeah um i mean to think that people had the wherewithal that that song specifically was it was a cover version it was uh, by spooky Tooth. it was better by me better than you it was on their 1978 album uh stained class i think and like to think that people had the wherewithal in 1978 to be deliberately recording backwards messages with the primitive analog equipment they had at their disposal and deliberately including messages that they hoped if somebody in their mind could decipher it backwards would yeah. think then, yes, yes, you should kill yourself. To think that they had the wherewithal, the, for, the forward planning and the actual fucking the evil disposition to go and do something like that yeah. when they're musicians yeah. looking to sell tickets and looking to create fandom and looking to, oh my God, like it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever. And I love that Maiden did a kind of parody on that at the beginning of Still Life when Nico, when he's just like that little couple seconds of him talking oh, yeah. backwards. Don't meddle with <laughs> things you don't understand. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, like that, yeah, it's relevant to bring that up now because it is it is timely news. Um, but God, it's exhausting. It's absolutely it exhausting. Like, I couldn't believe that. it was a current. Somebody sent it to me and I'm like, no, this can't be a current story but unfortunately it is one positive to come out of it is that the petition the counter petition yeah. to keep her yes. in her job i actually read today i have it on my phone here that the whole thing was dismissed um by the school okay, and good. everything yeah good um, like that's ridiculous as of october the 11th 2021 the parents petition against the principal has been removed i was reading an article here on the metal voice you can't find it there yourself or okay, whoever's listening yeah. here but um yeah it's it's just ridiculous farcical nonsensical and every other fucking ickle you can come up with yeah <laughs> i wish my principal was that cool you know exactly to think that you wouldn't be allowed to like heavy metal to have a personal life to post on your private social media that you like heavy right metal. your private social media about you know it's liking a band 
Yeah, anyway. I think anyway, I, I feel like we've that, gone back in a time machine here to 1982. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the next song here is great, the time machine. <laughs> great segue. <laughs> I'm the master of the segue. Um, yeah. Okay, so, uh, and, and actually the, the the first line on this is actually kind of satanic in itself. Um, put to the sword an imp, by an impish whim. An, an imp, of course, is like a demon, a demon mm-hmm. from hell. Um, but yeah, the time machine. So, this was one that I wasn't a massive fan of when the album first came out and for several weeks after the album came out. But let's face it, it's only been out a few weeks. Um, yep. But uh, I'm just going to play the start of this here and we can have a chat about it then. In yeah, a second. for sure. That kind of reminds me of Final Frontier, the, the album, the Talisman. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of a slow start. Um, it's atmospheric. I'd say it's maybe it is the Talisman. It's reminding me of. I just I'm just thinking of the album in particular, the Final Frontier, um, but. I looked up the phrase impish whim and I know Jonathan from Maiden Eight said will laugh at me by saying whim rather than whim. whim. Yeah. You, you can't have a pie without cool whip. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you putting so much emphasis on the H? <laughs> <laughs> say whip. Whip. No, say cool whip. Cool whip. Cool whip. <laughs> Everybody loves cool whip. You can't have a pie without cool whip. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is that like... Um, do you say H in Canada or H? H. H. Yeah, we say H, H over here, which is funny. Um, H. And, and British people say H as well. And in fairness, they invented the language. So who yeah. are you going to call? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'll I pronounce. I'll tell you what. <laughs> tell you what. I'd say, see, I say if I started a sentence with the word W-H-I-T, I'd say what? Would I? I don't know. You have to be in the situation to think about it. Maybe yeah. I can listen back and see. Anyway, apparently... Do some, I pronounce, do some introspection and, and get back to us. I will, I will. <laughs> apparently, I, I pronounced the, the word W-H-I-L-E as while. And, uh, I've while. Been, I've been mocked on Maiden A to Z in my absence about this as well. But I don't mind. It's fine. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Uh, so yeah. whim. Anyway, I think Bruce says whim there in the lyrics. But uh, yeah. I looked up the phrase impish whim, and it does not exist. This is an original Bruce Dickinson creation. Oh, sorry, uh, Steve Harris creation. Uh, presuming that Steve wrote the lyrics, I'm guessing he did. And uh, Impish Whim is like, it's like a, it doesn't exist. There are no references to it on Google anywhere. So that's kind of unique phrase, a unique um, joining of words that Steve has come up with there in that song. And to me, that's always impressive because it's hard to find two words um, that you can link to one another, one being an adjective, one being a noun, where there's no real uh, evidence of it existing beforehand so whatever he means by it i'm impressed that he just even came up with it so a whim usually i guess would mean you just do out of out of nowhere yeah so i have my own kind of theory about what this song might be about again my own theory uh but uh all right so like what are you thinking when you hear that intro how are you feeling um well obviously i hear the talisman again like Mm. um just that slow yannick it's clearly a Yannick composition that's slow. It sounds almost exactly like the talisman. Yeah. And the, the slow lyrics that kind of start and um, 
later on, maybe maybe I'll wait until later. But later on, it's, it reminds me of Book of Souls, the song. All right. Okay. Uh, let's let's that, not skip ahead. Let's um, not skip ahead. Let's okay. Stick stick with these lyrics. Okay. So we're at um forty four seconds here, and I'm just gonna yeah. play this here. So sorry, about 41 seconds uh, we just heard there. Devilish children playing here. So mm-hmm. to me, he's already said impish and devilish. And um, to me, imps and devils maybe reference Iron Maiden's history. And this is a it's a wild theory that I have oh. what this song is about. No, that sounds like I can co- sort of see where you're going to go with that. I have something to contribute to it, I think. Put to the Sword by an impish whim could even be referencing um, his decision to include satanic lyrics in the number of the beast and they were put to the sword by it in that they were oh. tried in the court of public opinion for right. even mentioning satan in in, um, in their lyrics and then devilish children playing here like maybe he's talking about the band maybe he's saying yeah well, that's all we were it was 1992 it was 39 years playing. ago yeah exactly so i i think that i like that theory because it's kind of and maybe the intro reminds me of the talisman and then later book of souls maybe this song is kind of a little bit of a time machine to their earlier works yeah so i'm just gonna go ahead and spoil my own revelation here yeah uh, that yeah. i do think this song is a time machine in the sense that it is talking about the history of the band rather yeah. than what some people probably assumed it was about it was either that work of literature by H.G. Wells. Uh, so, yeah, published in 1895. So Sorry, I think a lot of people. H.D.? H. H.G. Wells. Okay. H. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, H.G. Wells. Yeah. What's your name? My name is Arold. Arold. Uh, Arold. <laughs> I'm Arold. He says, huge, huge. Who says? <laughs> well, a lot of people do, but Donald Trump. Has, uh, is notorious for saying huge. huge. Yeah, huge idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so H.G. Wells wrote a book called The Time Machine. And I think when the track listing was released, a lot of people hoped or assumed that this song might be about that. But actually, when you look through the lyrics of this, there are no specific references to anything. There's only vague references to a lot of different things. And I think it's up to the listener or the reader in the case of looking at the lyrics, to come up with their own interpretation of this because it really doesn't reference time travel and it doesn't reference any works of fiction or books or films or anything like that that deal yeah. with time travel. So I was really, I was actually, I won't say struggling, but I was going through it with a fine-toothed comb to try and come up with what I think it's about. And as I said, my theory echoes what you just said. It's about the history of the band and them maybe traveling in a time machine back throughout their entire career and looking at things and, and talking about it in a, in a kind of a biographical sense. Maybe. Yeah. I think that's a good, good theory. And that's probably what it is actually like with the lyrics where it says, have I ever told you about my time machine? (laughs) I think that's such a cheesy line, but I love it. Yeah. Um, But then he says, um, what does he say? doesn't really matter. It's all in the mind. Um, yeah. So yeah. like it's kind of uh, all of a sudden it's saying, well, I don't actually have a time machine, but it's inside here. I'm pointing at my brain here for people who right. can see the video, uh, but it's all up here. Uh, my time machine. It's not actually a tangible machine, but I do yeah. have one. I, I'm in possession of one, but it's more of a um, an intangible thing rather than a physical. thing. Right. And he says, sit, I'll sit you down and tell you everywhere I've been. And then later on, let me tell you about it. Let me take you there. 
let me tell you about it. Listen what you'll find. So he's kind of setting us up to tell this kind of epic story, mm. but they never actually do tell any story about going back in time it's about what they've seen what they've done or whatever it's just more so i guess like what no, you're saying but there's never any specifics about what they've seen and done yeah um yeah. which to me is kind of like what goes away on the road kind of stays on the road but i've seen it all brother and you better believe it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly okay so uh just 109 i love this riff comes in after the quiet bit Not quite your typical Iron Maiden riff, um, and I like it because of that. It doesn't really sound like anything else on the album, in my opinion. Yeah, and then, have I ever told you? Mm. <laughs> but yeah, let's have a look uh, at those lyrics. So he says, um, yeah. have I ever told you about my time machine? Sit you down, I'll tell you everywhere I've been. And then the, the bit I was going to touch on, it's like, it doesn't really matter. It's all in the mind. Let me tell you about it. Listen, what you'll find. And then later on, let's just get into it. He says, I'm not a preacher. I am, but a man. You cannot imagine what I've seen and done. I've lived a long life. I've seen the world. I could tell you stories. Hair will stand on end. To me, that's like um, the old rock star pulling you into his like dressing room going, oh, brother, I've seen everything. You wouldn't yeah, believe yeah. the shit I've seen. Let right. me tell you about it. Like you, you, you won't believe what I have to say, but they don't actually ever tell you anything. And there's nothing about time travel specifically, which to me yeah, reinforces my theory that it's about just tales of old, a life witnessed and remembered and reminisced upon. Yeah, they're just, they're teasing us. They're exactly. giving all this, let me tell you about everything. And then you know, I've seen God's face. I have no disgrace. I've seen the gods cry howling in the wind. Where do I get started? Where can I begin? Like, what is, okay, just get into the stories then. They never do. You know what else it re- kind of reminded me of? The, uh, just as you were saying it just now, it reminded me of um, the part where it's sit you down and I'll tell you everywhere I've been. Reminds me of the beginning of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Yeah. Like, uh, you're the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. See his eyes, he's top 23. Was one of the wedding guests. Stay here and listen, listen to the, to the nightmares, nightmares of the too. sea. Uh, oh, yeah. It just reminds me of that because he's going to tell you this epic tale. Yeah. Just like sit down and listen. And you almost don't have a choice. It's like some, yeah. some old guy at a wedding. Yeah. It is yeah. a wedding, obviously. You're mesmerized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love, the, I love that line, see his eyes, he stops one of three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. <laughs> he's not stopping everyone. He's stopping one in every three people. Yeah, just people. one. He caught that guy's eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, wedding um, guest. Yeah, so we've kind of touched on a lot of the stuff I wanted to say about this, but I said, is this about being in a rock band? Decades of stories. I've lived a long life. I've seen the world. Um, I said at 228, rhyming face with disgrace is weak. <laughs> Queen okay. did that. And, you know, no one should ever do it ever since then, um, since we will rock you. But uh, I'm just going to play, play that clip now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I've seen the God's face. I have no disgrace. I mean, I could have done without that, but you know, it's. it's I, fine. I do like the harmonization. Like that, he's got two different vocal tracks. Yeah. He's got one singing low, one high, and they he does that a lot on this album, and it, I think it sounds brilliant. But how how do you think they would do that in a live setting if they've got just Bruce? Is I guess Adrian going to sing like the 
the harmonized part. Well, I bloody hope it's Adrian and not Steve. Because... Yeah, yeah. Adrian, yeah, he could do, he could do it. See, Steve's back in vocals sound like a homeless man shouting into a bin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Looking it's... for his lost can of beer that he accidentally dropped. <laughs> Run to the uh, I love I love seeing Steve scream the lyrics though. He's got no microphone, but he's screaming every every word. I love it as well, actually. And yeah. it's 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 unique to Iron Maiden. I've never seen any other band where, especially where the person who didn't even write the lyrics is screaming every lyric. He's melting every fucking lyric. Doesn't matter if it's yeah. Bruce's, his, uh, Adrian's in some cases. He's singing them all. Yeah, yeah, it's really I like cool. that. I like it. Um, okay, so I said in our group chat a while ago, uh, a few weeks ago, is the time machine, the speed of light of Senjutsu. And I, I take this opportunity now to take that comment back because mm. it's far better than the speed of light. Initially, it just didn't connect with me. And that's going to happen on an album that's 82 minutes long and has 10 songs on it. And this was one of those songs that I didn't really like. But again, when I listen to it under the microscope, I'm not sure if you can listen to something under a microscope. Probably not. You probably need some kind of audio equipment to do that um, <laughs> rather than visual equipment. But uh, I, uh, I I enjoyed it even more and especially trying to work out what it meant. And I, I, I probably do that more than other people where I focus a lot on the lyrics. I obviously love the music, but I do try to focus on the lyrics and try to work out what they mean. And I've always done that since I was a child. And I, I love that. And But it makes me enjoy the song more. And this is a, 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 an example of that, listening to it and reading the lyrics and trying to work out what it was about. It makes me listen more intently to the song, like I said earlier. And as a result, this song to me now has improved massively. And I'm not going to say it's gone up the rankings because I don't have any, but it is definitely a way better song than Speed of Light. And it certainly is it, is it in your top five? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a top five. <laughs> I used to rank music and rate music on a, on a website called Write Your Music. And I started getting anxiety when I was thinking like, oh, I rated Neil Young Harvest five out of five, but I only rated Power Slave four out of five. But I like Power Slave maybe more than I like Neil Young. And I was like, ah! Yeah. You're like, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. So to me, that just, I don't know. It, it it spoils my enjoyment of it a small bit. Okay. Back to Time Machine. What What do you think, what do you make of, I am not a preacher. I am but a man. Again, it's it's me thinking that Steve, in this case, most likely is saying that uh, he is not some celestial being or he's not some person who you should regard as better than or higher than or in a more superior yeah. position than you. He's just a man who happened to experience all of this. And this is his story. Right. Yeah. He's not he's not um, on his he's not giving a sermon. He's basically just telling his story of what's happened to him he's he's yeah. down to earth he's like you and me isn't it yeah you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Landed, I'm, not, right? I'm not even going to try to do the <laughs> i say i remember like, like yesterday's like carton horses yeah. yeah like davy uh, oh yeah yeah he sounds <laughs> yeah. so aloof when he talks <laughs> yeah D- denny wilcox right i mean he didn't last yeah. very long but like you know he helped strengthen like in that early period of the band and uh <laughs> then we got you know we got paul paul in and then i say can't wait from there when he's first album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even yeah, now, even, even now, it's the same. Sorry, yeah. shout out to Dan Mortimer there. Yeah, uh, that's that's really his thing. Um, yeah, he does a brilliant. Uh, and I'm I'm, I'm gonna 
I'm robbing it here. Um, yeah. He even has his own little intro now on Made Night to Said, where he is. Yeah, Made Night yeah, to Said, innit? I actually quite yeah. enjoy that. Actually, he says A to Z, unfortunately. I know. I, I, sorry, I'm steadfast in Z. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like H. Me too. So that's, I believe. You should have called Z. it Maiden H to Z. H to. <laughs> so um, Z is, I think, an American thing. It is, yeah. Uh, Z would be British slash Canadian. Although I do know some Canadians who say Z and then I just, I, I judge them. I hope, I hope you <laughs> remove them from any WhatsApp groups. Yeah. That might be in. <laughs> yeah. Or just, or maybe they're the, one of the mindless simpletons. <laughs> 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 they, they obviously enjoy country music. <laughs> they clearly do. Okay. So how about this um, riffing here? It's at four minutes, 31. So I didn't even notice that before, but it kind of sounds like an electrical a machine, for lack of a better term, but time machine. It sounds almost like some whirring of you know, that, like really high pitched, like electrical static electricity or something. It sounds really cool. To me, it actually reminds me of the, um, the Satellite 15 part of Satellite yeah. 15, The Final Frontier. It's the closest I can come to making a comparison with any of the Maiden discography. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that's a good good comparison. Now the solos. That first one we just, we, we just heard was Adrian, apparently. That didn't sound like an Adrian solo to me from 436 to 453. It was just so like unique and different. So you're talking about the solo kind of hidden behind the riff there. Yeah. It's another yeah. case of that. Actually, you said, you said it happened in the time machine. That's it there. Um, to me, there, there was so much going on with that riff there that I never really picked up on the fact that there was a solo happening behind it. Mm-hmm. So that is interesting. Uh, yeah. You're saying you've, you've read that it's Adrian. Uh, yeah. Apparently that one, 436 to 453, that's Adrian. And then next one coming up is Dave followed by Yannick. Okay. Let's have a listen to Davey boy. So this isn't Adrian now, is it? Yannick. Oh, Yannick, sorry, Yannick. So sorry, we went into Yannick at what point there? Uh, 508 uh, okay. with Yannick. Okay. I'm going to just play that bit again. Yeah. Okay, so this is Yannick now. Yeah. Yeah, good. Kind of short, short soloing, though. 
And then that part, that sounds like Book of Souls, like almost exactly. All right. Um, open your heart and I'll open your soul. <laughs> this is out of 538. Nothing too specific in these lyrics. Um, but yeah, my conclusion here is that what I said earlier is that he's talking about um, living a life as a musician, all the things he's seen, not actually specifically referencing any of them. But I mean, that would actually be um, that would be in keeping with Iron Maiden in that they don't really spill the beans. They don't dish the dirt. They don't really tell you much. Um, even in their own authorized biography by Mick Wall, there wasn't really much behind closed doors, revelations uh, about what went on. And even the, the exits from the band are dealt with quite politically, uh, quite diplomatically, and never in the gritty little details. And I think if this song is about that, then it's in keeping with them as a band and, and how they go about their business. Yeah, I had that line highlighted, open your heart and I'll open your soul, even in quieter moments, I know. Just so, just like, sit down, listen, I'm going to open your soul, just hear about our whole, the band's history, I guess, like what they've seen and what they've done. And yeah, like you were saying, they're pretty secretive in most respects. Like, I don't know, like, for, mm. for instance, they had this album recorded for two years and n- didn't spill any beans on that. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I just, that line caught me. Or else there's an absolutely radical uh, theory that I just come up with now. <laughs> that Good, I, yeah. This song could be a lead into The Darkest Era, which is like a diary entry from Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, Another uh, segue. And the time machine is is leading back to that time in history. And then Darkest Hour is basically just, it is a diary entry from, from Winston Churchill talking about World War II. Now, that's yeah. that's probably quite radical and it insinuates there's some kind of, um, not necessarily a concept album, but a relation between, well, a relation between the song that finishes disc one and the song that, song that opens disc two, if you're listening on the CD version. Um, Let's play the outro to uh, Time Machine. And I think that'll be a good way to, to end the episode sure yeah i just want to um uh, bring up one word here that i've never heard before in my life so uh to so i never heard the word betrothed in my entire life or betrothed actually betrothed b-e-t-h-r-o-t-h-e-d and uh, it actually means engaged to be married so that's actually you you're engaged to be married but hopefully you're not you're you're not betrothed. not to despair no. you're not, hopefully you're not you're betrothed to despair <laughs> oh that's interesting so wet, yeah. wedded yeah wedded to danger maybe yeah. um rewind a little bit like to maybe, let's say 645 and just play that whole little outro Oh, so cool. Wedded to danger, betrothed to despair. Man, yeah, and, and those are the only lyrics in it, like that. Um, the last few actually that make me think that my theory could be wrong. That he's talking about something else entirely, because like it's a eerie collection, darkness in there, wedded to danger, betrothed to despair. Maybe again he's talking about the career of the band. I don't know. And again, like that's just a personal theory. To me, there's not much in there that really tells you what it's about. So you have to go and find something yourself or else maybe you don't care enough about lyrics and you just go, yeah, it's a good song. Um, 
Maybe that's it's not... just history in general, uh, like eerie collection. Darkness is there. There's just uh, there's so much shit that has happened in the world is just maybe unexplained, and there's mm. always so much danger, despair. So the song is about a time machine, basically saying the history of humankind is full of this shit. And if I were a time machine, and I'm personifying a time machine, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, in this instance, but. Uh, I, I I could tell you so much. You wouldn't want to hear any of it because it's horrendous. And oh my God. And that's probably why I'm not telling you any of it because you just couldn't do with it. Deal you with it. You cannot imagine what I've yeah. seen and done. The brutal truth. Maybe it's actually just from the perspective of a time machine. If a time machine could talk, what it would actually tell you, the stories it would tell you. And, and in, in this case, it hasn't told you anything because maybe you just, your brain would just not be able to, would yeah. not be able to deal with it. The machine is not a preacher, but, no. he, uh, but he is a man. Because it's been personified. Yeah. The personification, you know. Sorry, that's my English teacher from secondary school. Um, all right. <laughs> <clears throat> Two people will get that if they listen. Yeah, look, okay, we're gonna wrap it up here for this episode because um, well, we've been talking for uh at this stage again, two hours. How the fuck did we do this? No way. Yes. No way. <laughs> my god, that we're gonna make insane. we're gonna make six hours out of this at least. Hopefully, well, none of like none of what we said was really that too much filler, and it no. was all like pretty pretty good. And oh no, relevant. I won't be cutting nearly as much out of this episode yeah. at all. If if anything, I mean, a, a couple of things here and there where we interrupted each other and stuff, but like that's normal. But uh, no, yeah. I'll be cutting very little out of this. Uh, I, I I assume so. Um, yeah, look, thanks thanks for joining me again on yeah. Feckin again. Metal episode two of of N. We're gonna say because we yeah. don't know what that number is. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll uh, try. We'll try to get it in three. And I, I've been delaying the Sabbath arc to to fit this in, but actually, to be honest, it's been a really nice break from that. And when I get back to that, I'll be enthusiastic about it again. Um, Perfect. So yeah, look, this has been great for me. I really enjoyed it, and thanks again. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait for the next one. Okay, so part two of Senjutsu in the bag uh, we left it on a, not quite a cliffhanger but um i hope we left you wanting more uh, i know you've been listening now at this stage for four hours about an album uh, being reviewed but uh we've probably still got another hour and a half or two in us so if you can stick with us we're gonna try and get another one out as soon as possible bit of um bit of a schedule clash over the next week so you might be waiting a week i might stick in a different episode in between just to mess with things even more i'm I'm nothing if I'm not full of half-finished ideas and half-finished series just lingering around uh, the feed in feckin' metal. But, yeah, we're going to get to that as soon as we can. I hope you enjoyed this one. I did enjoy it very much. Thanks again to Andrew and for everyone who got in for Andrew or to Andrew. I can't remember what he said. Thanks to Andrew and to everyone who got in touch about that episode. It seemed to be quite popular, or at least the talking point, anyway, amongst people. So uh, here is until next time. Thanks very much, and I will see you then.